This podcast has been developed for financial advisor use and provides general information only and does not take into account any particular individual's objectives, financial situations or needs. BT Investment Talk by BT Investment Solutions is a monthly podcast produced exclusively for Australian financial advisors. Our investment experts, together with some of the world's leading fund managers, will provide thought leadership on a wide range of investment topics. Investment Talk is all about looking beyond the numbers, helping advisors cut through the noise, enabling them to have meaningful investment and portfolio construction conversations with their clients. Hello and welcome to the third instalment of BT Invest Talk. I'm Paul Trainer, Senior Investment Specialist with the BT Investment Solutions team. Today we're going to focus on listed infrastructure an asset class that plays an important role in any broad, diversified portfolio, and particularly for diversified SMAs such as Core Series. To help us make sense of the infrastructure space, especially in this time of COVID, I'm very fortunate to be joined by Ben McVicker, Portfolio Manager for Magellan Infrastructure. Great. Welcome, Ben. Thanks for having me, Paul. Now, before we dive deeper into our conversation, I'm going to give a brief update on core series portfolios. So over the month of April, all portfolios continue to outperform their CPI plus return objectives since inception. And this is on a net of fees basis. Now in terms of the core series strategic asset allocation, there were no changes to positioning over the month, nor any portfolio rebalancing during the period. However, we did undertake an investment manager change toward the end of April. And this occurred in the international property asset class where we sold down our Heitman position and brought in principal as a replacement manager. The view of our investment team was, and certainly at a high level, the principal's portfolio has a stronger bias towards quality and growth. And in this current lower growth environment, our team believes principal has a greater capacity to capture alpha opportunities in this market. Now, as an aside, for this change in manager or for any change in manager in core series, there is no requirement for an SOA or ROA. More detailed information is available on the core series website, which of course is bt.com.au forward slash core series. Now that we've covered off our regular update, let's move on to this month's conversation around infrastructure with Ben McVicker. So in building well-diversified portfolios, and these are you know, portfolios that can weather all types of market conditions, the BTIS investment team brings together different asset classes with a variety of risk and return profiles. Alternatives, or ALTS, are integral to this aim given the low correlation of returns from this asset class when compared to, say, equities or fixed interest. And of this alt category, which is quite broad in scope, infrastructure with its unique characteristics is an important component, and particularly for core series, which invests via Magellan's listed infrastructure fund. So that's probably a good segue across to Ben and ask the basic question, why infrastructure? Sure, happy to kick off and provide an overview of how it is, you know, we think about infrastructure um, and really, you know, go back to that point you just made on on how we go back to trying to deliver those uncorrelated, differentiated uh, return streams. Uh, so at its most fundamental level, um, 
you know, infrastructure is an essential service. It's a capital intensive uh, piece of equipment that provides essential services, um, you know, back to towns, uh, communities, uh, and economies. Um, and so the second key feature of, of infrastructure generally uh, is that it not only does it, it, it provide those services, but it tends to be a monopoly or a, if it's not a monopoly, it's a very strong oligopoly type structure. Um, so what that means, so you, you, you take those two points uh, together, uh, you know, point one, it's an essential service. That tends to mean that infrastructure delivers you very reliable demand profiles through time. I think the last year has really proven out that thesis in a lot of areas. Things like you know, electric use, uh, water use, they don't get changed because there's a, a pandemic or an economic uh, downturn. Um, the second piece that I just talked about really on that, that um, entrenched monopoly position, what that gives you is pricing power. So pricing power means that as you get things like inflation coming through, as you get things um, like costs increasing, you can actually go and you know, push up prices to reflect that. And because the competitive position is so strong, I should really sort of emphasize that most infrastructure assets are either A, regulated, uh, or B, they're contracted to avoid that significant monopoly uh, power. Um, so when we think about that, that's the sort of fundamental uh, picture. Then the next picture is really around you know, the market, the return stream that you get as an investor. So that very defensive, um, reliable cash flow stream that these assets can deliver uh, through time what that ultimately is going to um, give you is a very differentiated return stream, very uncorrelated return stream. So sort of in market speak, what you tend to find is that the betas of an infrastructure portfolio is going to be you know, very low. The correlations back to general equities is going to be very low. Um, so you tend to find it's a more um, defensive um, uh, asset exposure. And then on the other side of it, you tend to find, as you compare it to, say, you know, fixed income type exposure, uh, what you'll tend to find is that it does have that growth element. So obviously, a fundamental driver of infrastructure is economic growth, population growth. All of that kind of comes out to play, and you get that growth story uh, as well. Uh, that, that's a good. That's a good opening around that sort of question on on why. Um, I suppose just diving a little bit deeper into the you know, I suppose broadly they're sort of utility assets. Um, they do have different drivers, and they do have different revenue streams. So maybe what are the some of the key differences um, in that, you know, regulated, unregulated, and, and then what are the buckets, I suppose, you actually drop them into? Yeah, sure. Um, so when we think about sort of our universe, as we like to sort of define it, um, really there's two key columns. Um, one is, as you said, that utilities sort of piece, and then it's what we call our sort of infrastructure, which is really transport infrastructure. So it's things like um, transporting people, uh, goods, and, and data in a more modern context uh, as well. So really one of the key differences there between those two columns, um, utilities, the key asset you want to invest in there, in our view, is you know, things like poles and wires, um, gas networks. Um, generally, what they're going to be is regulated because they are, you know, by definition, these are natural monopolies. In fact, they're often the textbook definition of a natural monopoly. Um, and so you tend to find that they are regulated. Within the infrastructure universe, a very defensive universe, those utilities tend to be uh, probably even more defensive. So if you sort of have that sort of you know, risk curve, you know, they're probably at the, the far left in terms of defensiveness. As you then look at the, the infrastructure um, piece, there's a number of things that sort of sit uh, within that, that, that bucket. 
One is, you know, obviously things like airports, uh, toll roads, you know, the kinds of things that you you might typically associate with an infrastructure uh, portfolio. The other areas you're going to find in there, in I, I think, in the investable universe, are things like uh, mobile phone towers. You know, these are really attractive assets. You know, you think about what a mobile phone tower actually is and how it works. You're not providing the you know the uh, technology that sits on the towers. What you're providing is effectively the vertical real estate. So as you get that booming growth in data demand and people having to hang more equipment off towers, you're getting tenancy increases on these these towers. So you get a really nice combination of you know long-term structural growth, but long-term contracts as well. Um, the just to cover off the last few pieces there um, on you, on toll roads and airports, what you tend to find is that those assets are a little bit more sort of GDP led. So when you have a roaring economy and things are going really well, those assets from a fundamental point of view tend to outperform. They're not regulated typically in terms of how much they can earn. Typically they're regulated in terms of how much they can charge per trip or per land in an airport. So whereas a utility, you're actually regulated in terms of how much you can earn. So there is a, a fundamental difference there. So in terms of how you see, but you know, obviously values are important in any discussion like this, but in terms of how you see the macro outlook, there can be a difference as to how you might think about the relative performance uh, of those assets. Okay, that, that's great because you know that gives us a good, clear, I suppose, uh, playing field that we're looking at. So, what's Magellan's approach? You know, how do they look at the world of infrastructure, and how do they put their their portfolios together? Sure. So, in the Magellan um, approach, we spend a lot of time focusing on what I would sort of, you know, or what we sort of call our um, our definition uh, of infrastructure. And so, what we mean by that is that I think everyone at a first principle. Uh, knows uh, what infrastructure is, what it looks like, what it touches like, you know, or what it feels like. Sorry, and they kind of know, you know, what they would call infrastructure. You know, that's all well and good. Um, really, what you want to do though is not just find those things that you know have reliable demand because they're infrastructure assets, but also those that can give you those return streams. Um, and so that's where we spend a lot of time in our investable universe, really with the scalpel cutting bits of the universe away to try to give us a more concentrated, more defensive um, a bucket of assets from which we can select from. So just to give a couple of examples, you know, because obviously that's a fairly vague idea that you know we just have a definition of infrastructure. Some of the big things that we take uh, you know concern with, things like um, companies that have too much competition risk, um, competition's, you know, great if you're a consumer. As an investor, it's you know far from ideal. Um, the other areas that we spend a lot of time, and just sort of sorry on that point, an example that might be worthwhile is, you know, sometimes you might find, you know, a a power retailer is a good example. We'll exclude that from our investable universe. You know, so nothing wrong with the businesses, but you do tend to find they can be pretty competitive in that that power retailing space. Um, another area we'll spend a lot of time, you know, really thinking hard about is sovereign risk. The nature of infrastructure is you go on day zero, you spend a effectively a boatload of money um, uh, developing this asset, and that's there there you know to serve the town and community you know thereafter. The risk you take is that you're pretty reliant that the contract or the regulation that you've been given to earn on that asset, that that remains reliable through time. You know, it's really, really critical that you get that piece right. So we actually exclude from you know the infrastructure universes, um, uh, you know, regions like China at this point. And it's just to do with you know, whilst the demand thematics are just you know phenomenal, the issue we've just had is that you know the regulation is you know not as um, 
reliable we've found as you know some of the other regions in which we invest. So we've we've held you know a long term view on that at this point, and we continually reassess that. Um, so that kind of gives you a bit of a flavour as to how we think. You know, we've very much positioned ourselves to be probably a little bit more um, you know defensive in terms of how we think about this this asset class. Okay, that, that, that's great, and it's it's very clear, and it probably actually throws up the questions a lot of advisors are we. You know, thinking about and looking about and having these conversations with, with their clients is just around you know what we've seen over the last you know 12, um, 15 months now is around COVID. You know, it's been the dominant theme. Uh, it's had a lot of impacts both at the economic level, um, but certainly you can see it in the um, infrastructure asset class around. You know, as you you mentioned the the, the transport area, or I suppose the travel related ones like airports, toll roads to a degree. Um, I suppose in you know, over this period, uh, it certainly would have thrown up a lot of challenges for you guys at, at Magellan. So, how did your positioning change over the last twelve months? And I, I suppose uh, an extension of that is, um, you know, maybe I'll save for the next question around some of the stimulus. But uh, let, let's tackle that first, Ben. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, that in itself is a, uh, I think, a, a big topic. Um, so there's a couple of pieces there. One is really, I think, you know, explaining how infrastructure has been impacted by, you know, the you know COVID nineteen, and then secondly, it's how we're sort of thought about navigating the, those risks. So I'll start on the first piece, um, just really about how we, you know, have seen that impact play out. Um, so obviously, you've touched on a few points that are of note, which is you know the impact on airports, toll roads, you know the stay-at-home orders and the the, um, the restriction of. Um, in fact, I think the great way, the easiest way to explain this, as I said before, infrastructure uh, is really about the movement of people, goods, uh, and data. Uh, obviously, uh, the movement of people has been significantly impacted over the last you know year odd, um, whereas the movement of goods has actually remained surprisingly robust you know even at the peak of all this back in sort of um, you know March when the first lockdowns had the most severe impact on the the economy um, you still saw the movement of, of goods so trucks rail it tended to not be as significantly impacted as the movement of, uh, of people and obviously data I think you know everyone is you know well aware of just how mission critical data services have become to their lives um, in this last this Absolutely. last year <laughs> um, so you know when we think about you know the other piece of our universe, which is actually you know substantial, is that utilities uh, piece. The vast majority of utilities that we consider to be uh, investment grade, um, and this is sort of goes back to ones that we've you know cast our sort of definition net over. Um, the vast majority of those companies they set guidance before the onset of the the pandemic. What you actually found was that by the end of the year they'd actually largely achieved their pre-pandemic earnings guidance. So it kind of gives you this, a sense to. The sheer defensiveness of these these assets. Um, it's kind of interesting as well in that whilst you know we kind of talk about you know the earnings guidance was hit, that I think that downplays massively the operational issues these companies have had to deal with. Obviously, they've had to climb over major changes in terms of remote workforces. They've had at some point you know power demand down in the, the double digits, which is you know largely um, you know not a thing that happens too too regularly. Um, and then as you move over to sort of areas that have been a little bit more impacted, things like toll roads, airports, um, toll roads, you know, as you sort of think back to, to last year, really at that first lockdown globally, you had a lot of toll roads down in the range of probably 50 to 80% 
you know, into urban roads, probably heard a bit more. Urban roads heard a little bit less. Um, and then by the end of the year, you saw a pretty good recovery slowly coming through. Um, even with, you know, lockdowns in Europe now, toll roads are probably down, you know, 30%, 40% thereabouts. But, you know, as you get that reopening in places like France, you will see those numbers pick back up. Um, and airports, obviously, you know, you get in some domestic recovery um, coming through. But in terms of the international set, you know, really important in terms of the profitability and, and duty-free spend, et cetera, um, those assets, you know, remain, you know, very sluggish at this point. So we think that lot, that recovery is probably going to take a bit longer to, to, to come through. So with all that, you know, said, that kind of um, preamble, um, moving on to the second part of your, your question, which is really around how we've thought about um, positioning the, the portfolio and how we've navigated um, in 2020. One of the big things that we have changed, and I'll sort of take the, the more high-level view of the portfolio, as you started at the end of 2019, uh, we were sitting there as a portfolio in sort of round numbers, call it 55% of the portfolio in, in infrastructure um, and about 40% in utility companies. So within that infrastructure piece, we had um, probably about you know, just under 20% of the portfolio in airports. You know, airports are a long-term structural play that obviously they're having a, a downturn at the moment. One thing that we have changed is throughout the course of the year, you know, as the pandemic hit, initially we sold down infrastructure um, uh, pretty significantly, initially to cash. And then what we've done throughout the course of, of 2020 is sort of reweighted the portfolio so that you know, at the margin we've been buying more utilities and particularly North American utilities, and that might be a point worth coming back to in terms of the opportunity we see there. Um, but really, you know, we've been reweighting to the point now we're probably about 48% you know, at the end of March, about 48% in um, utilities and 46% in infrastructure. So big change from what I was talking about before in terms of the relative uh, weightings. Um, and maybe I'll just quickly touch on, you know, that utilities piece. And what's, this is actually goes back to probably the market side of it. It's been really interesting over 2020, the opportunity that's developed in things like um, utilities businesses. As I said, the, the fundamentals of those businesses were you know, sensational. They, they really held up well, despite you know, everything you could kind of throw at them. What was kind of interesting is by the end of 2020, in terms of our investable universe, infrastructure and utilities were down a pretty similar amount, despite the pretty divergent um, impacts uh, on these assets. So uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, the opportunity there, these assets continue to grow, and yet, you know, and they deliver really reliable returns. But at the same time, you kind of look at these these assets and they're now trading, or at the end of 2020, I should say, they were trading kind of, you know, in the order of kind of 10, 12% cheaper than the start of the year. So to us, that looks, and, you know, it's closed a little bit now, but that opportunity still looks really interesting. So that, that, that's, that is certainly a, a, some great points because, you know, what a roller coaster year you know you've had to manage, and as you say, the, the divergence and you know and the opportunities that, that still sit out there. So what I might do just um, you know with a, a couple of questions that I'd, I'll just throw out there quickly, and maybe a, a, a quick sort of Q and A around uh, what certainly advisors and, and their clients are probably talking around, and what we hear back as investment specialists is um, back to that opportunity set. You know, we saw. A lot of monetary policy up front, fiscal stimulus that came through that was directly um, placed into the hands of um, the consumer. 
And that's pretty much done. I think we're finished up here. The US looks like it's September. So the next phase seems to be the large infrastructure projects that certainly with Joe Biden as the new US president, he's really looking at that strongly. So just maybe quickly, a couple of the, the key uh, opportunities that you see given the, the, the fiscal stimulus that's going into infrastructure in the next few years. Yeah, sure. And this is obviously a, you know, incredibly topical you know, thing in our space. The, the Biden plan is, is, is massive, um, you know, trillions of dollars potentially, um, you know, throughout basically this, this decade um, deployed into infrastructure. Now, where we probably see, you know, the most opportunity in the infrastructure landscape more generally, there's going to be a lot of investment on, you know, on one hand on things like roads, bridges, uh, airports. In the US, they tend to be government-owned uh, assets. So you're not going to find, I don't think, a huge opportunity. There might be some um, opportunity for private capital, but it doesn't seem to be at this point. The opportunity that I think is really interesting comes back to the um, the renewable tilt, so the green tilt and the decarbonisation. This goes back to that global um, uh, you know, push at the moment towards a net zero sort of target that we're seeing, whether it's Europe, whether it's um, the US now with a, a Biden administration. And what that all kind of comes back to is there's going to be a lot of uh, incentive and push to build out both renewables, um, electric vehicles under the plan. What that all means is as we think about you know, the US opportunity set, the area we think is probably going to be the biggest beneficiary is actually the listed utilities space, particularly the electric um, uh, utilities. Those, those businesses are already you know, investing significantly in their assets. They're already building renewables, you know, the economics are just amazing these days. Um, but what you're going to find as well is that the Biden plan is potentially going to include things like uh, an increase to tax incentives uh, for developing renewables. There's the talk of a potential tax incentive for transmission, uh, electric transmission infrastructure. What does it all mean for from a, a, you know, a listed infrastructure space um, perspective? Well, as we kind of think about what this looks like, Utilities have already grown pretty nicely. We're already pretty constructive on them. As I said, you know the valuation's interesting. We already think the growth's good, um, but this is just going to mean you get more growth, more capital expenditure opportunity to grow their asset base and serve customers for a longer period of time. So, you know, I sort of said, you know, we're pretty constructive on the space, and I think this just adds to that that story. You know, there's there's an opportunity for, you know, what could be a multi-decade expenditure opportunity in U.S. utilities as they both refurbish the network, but also deal with all that increased load from things like electric vehicles going onto the, the network. Yes, and, and certainly where their infrastructure has got to over the last you know, few decades, um, they, they certainly have to look at that. Maybe one last one, on, and, and just around that, that macro piece, is just something we often hear is just around inflationary expectations, and maybe just a broad brush view of Magellan um, on inflation and the implications, I suppose, for, for infrastructure. Yeah, sure. So. The, the general view that we hold on this this current inflation um, period is this is probably more likely to be transitory and more likely to be a bubble that we roll through than a structural change. Um, the structural drivers of inflation, as far as we can see, haven't changed in terms of the demographic impact, in terms of the technology impact that it's having in terms of um, inflationary forces. Um, we don't necessarily see that changing. You know, right now, obviously, there is a big you know recovery story. There is also on top of that this stimulus that's going to push that up, but at this point we just don't see that that you know sustained structural change in inflation coming through, and certainly we don't think you know assets more generally are priced 
for, for that scenario outlook either. So we don't think we're particularly counter consensus uh, on that, but we just don't think, you know, our central case is that that's the most likely um, outcome that we can see. As we then sort of think about the implications for, for infrastructure, um, you know, more broadly, there's a couple of ways we think about this. One is, you know, the, the fundamental, you know, businesses, how that's going to be impacted. And one is the market piece, and I'll, I'll touch on that later. Um, so when you think about how these businesses are impacted, infrastructure and utilities companies tend to be pretty well inflation protected. So toll road concession contracts very often have a link back to the, the inflation rate of the country. So in France, for example, you're getting you know, a fraction, 70% of inflation as a price increase on tolls every year as a formula. So you've got good you know, inflation protection in terms of real cash flows and therefore dividend paying capability. Um, utilities, again, they have an ability to pass through uh, fair costs that they incur in running their business. So if inflation goes up, um, if you find that inflationary push um, you know, pushes up their, their operating costs, they can go back to the regulator and ask to push that through to, to rate payers. So again, you're kind of hedged against that, that inflationary uh, position. So we're reasonably comfortable from an underlying business point of view what inflation would mean um, for, for the space. Where you do tend to find you know, there is a bit more of an impact is in the short term, and we've seen this a number of times now as you've sort of gone back over the last decade, you know, the Bernanke um, taper tantrum, you've sort of seen these periods where you get these short-term spikes in interest rates as, you know, concerns about in that time, rate normalization, now inflation. Um, as that kind of comes through, you tend to find rate expectations go up, listed infrastructure assets go down. The observation we have is that typically it's been in the order of five to 10% pretty quickly. What you then tend to find is that the market kind of comes back to these assets and you find normalization. That's been the experience uh, over that last sort of decade. In this situation, what we've seen is that obviously for the, the first part of this year, we saw that inflationary um, thinking come through. And off, of the back, off the back of that, pretty quickly, we saw infrastructure assets. You know, we were sort of down, I'd say, at a portfolio level by the end of February, mid single digits. But then we saw in March as you know, the rate increases kind of slowed in the long end of the curve, we saw a pretty swift reversal in terms of uh, infrastructure prices in the markets. Look, that's that's great. And, and thank you for enlightening us on, on uh, you know, some of those macro elements. I, I think that's critical. So, look, we've, we've pretty much come to the end of our podcast. And, and thank you for your time, um, your thoughts. It was a really good rundown on the infrastructure space and, and how Magellan is positioned and, and some of your thoughts further out. So, And also thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening in to the BT Invest Talk. As always, if you have any questions or feedback or like more clarity on today's discussion, please don't hesitate to contact your BT Investment Solutions Investment Specialist. And if you'd like more information on the core series portfolios, please head to bt.com au forward slash core series and there you'll also find our contact details so once again thank you and we look forward to catching up next month